lot of people, when they think about designers, they think about like fashion design or they think about black turtlenecks and super beautiful products. Right. There's like um, a kind of a cultural, actually, depending on where you are in the world, people might say, oh, are you a fashion designer or are you a product designer or are you a graphic designer? Um, and what um, I think that as people started realizing that the things that designers do isn't just about making stuff beautiful, but it's about solving problems that make the world better for people. You're listening to the Getting Smart Podcast, where we unpack what's new and innovative in education. Today, we're talking with Sandy Spiker about design thinking. Sandy works for IDEO, a global design and innovation consultancy that helps organizations in the public and private sectors innovate, grow, and bring new ideas to market. She leads the organization's education practice, where she's helped create a scalable school model in Peru, strategies to improve schools for the poor in India, and approaches to increasing teaching effectiveness in the United States. Now, when you hear the word design, I'm guessing education isn't the first thing that comes to mind. But let's listen in as Tom and Sandy discuss what design thinking is and why it's so important for teachers and education leaders right now. Sandy Spiker leads the education practice for IDEO. We're talking to Sandy today because there's been this explosion of activity around design thinking and Sandy has been leading the parade for the last four years. Sandy, what is design thinking? Oh, Tom, that's such a great question. And it's one of those things that if you ask somebody who spends their life thinking about it, um, it's pretty hard to get a brief answer. Um, so here's what it's I'm a, hoping. It's a way of being, right? It's <laughs> yeah. I'm hoping we can talk on two levels. I can tell you the kind of shorthand, which is that design thinking is really about a human-centered approach to creative thinking and problem solving. But that starts to sound like kind of buzzwordy and it starts to sound so pithy yeah. that it's um, kind of then hard to understand what it really is about. Um, so if you'll allow me, even at the entry to our dialogue here, to just take a minute and, um, and reflect a little on where that term might have come from, I think it would be helpful to ground the conversation that way. Great. Is that cool? Um, I think the term design thinking really came about because people realized that the way designers think and act were useful to many things, not just the work that people who are labeled designers really do. Um, and so, you know, often when you kind of hear the word designer, there's a set of images that come to mind. Tom, if I were to say to you, what do you think of when you hear the word designer? What do you think? What are some images? Um, my favorite image is um, when I was a school superintendent, I tried to run a what-if district. And mm. um, so every classroom I went into, we would have a what-if conversation. So that mm. that's, that's sort cool. of a, that is both a, a little trick a tool, but it's also a, a mindset. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I was going to actually lead you right there because – in a way, what you've been able to do is kind of take this idea of design thinking and put it into action. Both there's methods and there's a mindset. There's an attitude. Yeah. No, I think uh, the combination of those two is super important, right? It's yeah. a set of tools, but it's also, it is a way of being. It's what Debbie Meyer used to call a, a habit of mind, right? Yes. Yeah, and so a lot of people, when they think about designers, they think about like fashion design or they think about 
black turtlenecks and super beautiful products. Right. There's like um, a kind of a cultural, actually, depending on where you are in the world, people might say, oh, are you a fashion designer or are you a product designer or are you a graphic designer? Um, and what um, I think that as people started realizing that the things that designers do isn't just about making stuff beautiful, but it's about solving problems that make the world better for people. They started getting curious about, well, what is it that designers do? And can we make that portable to other people and other professions? So and so why is it, why is it particularly important for teachers and ed leaders right now? Yeah, great question. Um, well, first of all, teachers and ed leaders are designing all the time. Right. All the time. They're designing curriculum. They're designing experiences. They're, uh, they're designing um, spaces. They're designing programs. They're designing policies. Uh, they're designing so many things. And actually, it's not that often that they think of themselves as designers. So what happens when you realize, oh, every decision I'm making is something I'm actually choosing you can then become more intentional about the way you go about designing those solutions. Right. And so then if we look back to what design thinking might tell us, actually there are methods which we, with which we can approach the world. There are also mindsets with which we can approach the world. And going in to have conversations with teachers or with students or with, with families and, ha and saying, what if? that's actually a great way to optimistically look at the future and create a culture where, um, where people can be creative about where things head. And that's one of the kind of methods and mindsets of being a designer. Not the only, but one of the many. I think one of the outcomes of design is coherence. And in contrast, most education environments are, I think of it as sedimentary. They're layers of you know, years of policies and practices, traditions uh, that add up to a system that doesn't work very well for teachers and kids. But a designed environment is super intentional. It creates coherence where everything works together uh, beautifully uh, for the participants. I talked to Doug Connect from Bank Street Education Center um, last week, and he uses design to create uh, coherence. Yeah. Actually, that's really, that's really nicely said, um, because in a way, what you do when you design is you start to recognize all of the different um, needs that people have and all of the uh, different, perhaps, requirements that a system may have, and you think, what can we create that satisfies as much of that as possible? Right. So coherence is one way to say it. I think there's another thing that, um, that design does, which is also important in education, is it creates choices. And what happens when you're designing something is you actually look into all of these needs and aim to understand what people are struggling with, and then you can create alternative futures. You can say, what if we go this way, and what if we go this way? And because of that, you can then actually shape together where you want the future to head. That's so interesting. Um, I, I find that most um, teachers and kids have been in relatively few learning spaces and that often um, field trips to new places uh, helps them imagine a different future. Do you have other tips? Yeah, I can tell you why, um, I mean, why I believe one of the things that field trip does is it gets you out of your, um, the way that you, the kind of norms with which you see the world and it puts you into a different context. Um, one of the things we often recommend that we do in our own process when we're working here at IDEO 
um, but that we also actually recommend that others do is, is to think about analogous settings uh, where somebody else has solved the same problem that you have, but they've done it in a different context. So for instance, if we think about um, education leaders, a lot of people are kind of wondering how do they set up a culture that may be more collaborative for teachers because teachers are often struggling with feeling alone. Uh, only looking at how schools have done that will only get you so far. Uh, but looking across how others have done it, whether that's um, you know a fire station and how, um, how they've set up their space to collaborate or a corporate environment and how they've set up their space to collaborate, you start to get new ideas. And then you bring not just the best of what education has already tried, but that you actually bring in all of these cool things that other people have done. So you kind of create new possibilities that then others see and others learn from, and the whole system grows. So Sandy, should kids learn design thinking, the tools and the habits of mind around design thinking? Well, I mean... It would be funny if I didn't agree with you there, Tom. <laughs> well, why? What's what's your rationale? I, I have mine, but what? Yeah. So obviously, definitely something I believe. Um, and you know, the the kind of baseline is that design touches all aspects of our world, and everything that we design impacts the human experience. And the world is changing. The world is becoming incredibly complex. Actually, the way we've designed the world now, that we've designed our culture, really asks us to participate in it. And if we don't help kids keep pace with this mindset and these capabilities, I, I believe that we're actually setting up a world where there's a different types of have and have not, those who are yeah. designing the world and those who are passive to it. Wow. I, I like that. Um, Sandy, I... I spent uh, 2016 studying uh, AI and machine learning and came to the interesting conclusion that our, uh, a couple conclusions, our kids are going to see probably an order of magnitude more change than we will because they're living on this exponential technology curve. And that means they're going to deal with a lot more novelty and complexity, new stuff and complex systems. Mm -hmm. and, and so I've been thinking, how in the world do we prepare young people for this order of magnitude, more new stuff and complicated stuff? And I come back to, you know, deeper learning experiences and, and in particular uh, design thinking as a key navigational uh, skill and, and uh, mindset. Yeah, I um, fully agree with you there. I think that actually the sort of first kind of gut answers that both of us had to that question really relate to each other. And um, I think some of the reasons about that is what design thinking offers is a scaffolded process, not unlike the scientific method to help you get through kind of some of the ambiguity of problem solving. Right. And what design thinking really lays out is start by framing a problem. Um, you know, take a, Take a guess at what you're trying to solve for, but then go out and learn about people and what they care about and pull in all these different sources like um, academic knowledge and um, analogous inspiration and um, approach the world with curiosity and inquiry. And then as you do that, synthesize it and discover meaning that might not have been made before. And from that, develop new ideas about what we'd like to see happen in the world. But don't just sit, settle there. 
try it out, get feedback from people, and use that as a way of constantly building and iterating and being in a continuous problem-solving mode. This feels like essential skills of the future as the world is constantly changing and in the kind of complexity and variety that you're talking about. So I, I love visiting schools. Like uh, there's a new micro school in Boise called One Stone or yep. a, a DPS in Denver incubated DSISD. And I, I love walking into um, a class and kids are, are saying, oh, we're, we're going to do some empathy research and talk to <laughs> real people about uh, this problem. So yeah. this, this really does um, start from that design standpoint of uh, getting a deep understanding of your customer, right? Yeah, I think because design really uh, sort of originated out of a corporate, a, a kind of corporate space um, of looking at the, the design of products and solutions and services for people. Um, we, we talk about customers, um, but really I think about it as everything that you're creating, actually somebody is a part of. And right. so we call those stakeholders, we call them customers, we call them users. But the idea is really not just thinking about yourself as the center, but really understanding other people. And man, does that feel important uh, right. as a skill to develop. You're listening to the Getting Smart Podcast. And today we're sharing a conversation about design thinking and education between Tom and Sandy Spiker, who is Partner and Managing Director of Education at IDEO, a global design and innovation consultancy. If you're enjoying this podcast, be sure to visit our iTunes channel, where we have over 50 additional episodes featuring ed leaders speaking on topics ranging from artificial intelligence to place-based education to building global competencies. And while you're there, be sure to subscribe, rate us, and leave a review. Up next, Sandy shares the similarities between project-based learning and design thinking, and she and Tom discuss students using design thinking to become problem finders and solution creators. So I'm a big fan of project-based learning, and I was excited last week to hang out with uh, Khalib Rashad, who directs High Tech High, and he's infusing design thinking and lean startup uh, methodologies into PBL at uh, High Tech High, and I, I wondered how you thought these ideas uh, came together. Like, uh, what, what does design thinking and project-based learning have to do with each other? Mm -hmm. So I think they are... Um, they are super related. Um, um, in a way, project-based learning is saying, let's structure projects by which you can apply knowledge to real-world questions. Right. And the thing about project-based learning is sometimes people do it with um, open-ended questions where every kid can come up with a different solution. Right. And sometimes people do it with, in a way, known questions that get you toward known knowledge, where you sort of, um, you know, you create an experiment that gets you to kind of the same answer. Every kid has the same answer. Um, in a way, what design thinking um, overlaps with best is those open-ended questions where we're looking to create something that hasn't yet existed, where we don't know the right answer, and we have to learn along the way. Um, so there's like half of project-based learning that I think that um, design thinking overlaps right. with. So I want to jump in here and um, surface attention. Mm. Um, it's this intersection of, let's call it design thinking and standards-based learning, right? So we've, we've spent 20 years indoctrinating ourselves that there's a list of stuff you need to know and be able to do. And even with PBL, we've been pretty rigorous at, at making sure that we're uh, 
covering a set of standards. But what you just described means that someone, a teacher, a principal, a, a system head, is creating enough time and enough freedom uh, to explore a set of open-ended issues that may take you to some someplace unexpected. Uh, how do you think people should deal with that tension? Yeah. Well, I definitely don't think we should shy away from that conversation because um, I, 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 that, is, that is immediately that the, the conversation that comes up around any of this. And, and part of it is really having a point of view about um, what learning is and how it happens. Right. And we have been through a pretty significant time where um, the standards, um, uh, kind of being standards-led, has pushed us into more of a dialogue about knowledge and knowledge acquisition and right. how we're ensuring that that happens. And obviously that's really valid and important. But I think all of us also know that there are um, character <laughs> strengths that are important to, um, to help develop. And there are dispositions and, um, and mindsets about how to approach the world that are important to develop. And school has a big role in that. It's not the only place that that happens, that learning happens, but it does have a big role in that. And so I do think that it's really important to have the dialogue around um, what do we believe this uh, learning is about and how are we fostering it and how are we balancing it with some of the kind of acquisition of known knowledge um, at the same time as we're actually helping people understand how to apply that to realizing, for instance, that they have a role in shaping the world. And that's a pretty amazing learning outcome that, that schools could foster if they chose to. I think this also raises the, the, the point that um, teachers and curriculum directors need to be artful in how they help students become problem finders and then yeah. project creators, right? Use, yeah. So if you use a design thinking process to unearth a a problem and a potential solution, then that, that turns into a project. That That's the point at which a teacher can help pack in some of those important knowledge and skills. You can say, here's a way that you might use math to attack that problem. Here's a way that you could use communication skills to uh, communicate your solution, but it's being artful in the way a project is constructed, um, maybe following a design thinking exercise. Yeah, I definitely think that that's a great way to think about it. I um, I feel like that's probably also not just fun for students, but fun for teachers yes. to be part of that, um, kind of be seen as a co-creator rather than the one that has everything on their shoulders. And it's, uh, I think, a super creative process. Yeah. Yeah, I do want to tell you about, um, we, we've, we, many years ago, um, collaborated with um, a woman named Kiran Sethi who runs a school in Ahmedabad, India. That's a really amazing school where they really have integrated design thinking and they really foster a kind of an activist mindset in, um, in kids to realize that they can make a difference in the world. And um, what, we, what we created together was a, a design contest for middle school students that's about developing that aha, that yes, I can make a difference in the world around me. Um, we, that, that contest is now being run in, in about 40 countries and India alone had about 2000 entries last year. And what we ask of kids is to go out into their communities and identify problems. What do they see the pains that people feel or the things that they're struggling with? And there's a kind of a sh little structured design process where they then 
brainstorm together what they can do about it. They do something about it. They share that with others. And um, it's unbelievable what kids see and what they'd like to solve. And what's really cool is seeing what kinds of questions kids around the world in different countries are solving. You have in India there, um, there was a big trend a couple years ago where kids were looking at um, bullying and um, kind of gender bullying, you could say. Um, uh, there's a lot happening right now that kids are identifying around the environment and recycling. Um, but in Bhutan, they were focusing on uh, litter. And in, um, uh, in Finland, it was fishermen's rights. And um, in uh, Singapore, there was how do we, how do we help, um, how do we change some of the cultural behaviors to not eat shark fin soup so that we can save the sharks? And the kinds of things that kids care about and helping them know that they can make a difference in addressing those things feels um, amazing to watch and um, really inspiring as an, as an adult watching it to realize uh, that, you know, if we really foster this confidence in people that they can creatively solve the problems they see, well, that's a pretty exciting world to live in. That's really exciting. Um, I have a quick story from higher education. Uh, my new favorite College is Olin College, a, a newer huh? newer engineering school, where they use design thinking across the entire curriculum in a very applied and project based way. But it's um, the the application that I was most excited about is that they had started a new quant sequence, which is a mashup of algebra and data, um, and they weren't very happy with the way the course was going, and so they stopped the class, and the five professors and all the students engaged in a two-day uh, design thinking exercise, redesigned the class, and then relaunched. So, awesome. you know, a real-time application involving stakeholders to redesign a course using uh, design thinking. It's very mm. exciting to see those kinds of examples. That's awesome. It's also so meta. I love it. Right. I love it. Yeah. And, you know, it, it has me thinking, your story there has me thinking about the word agency, Right. And how how much we all talk about um, the kind of meta goal of inspiring um, and developing agency for people in their in their lives, um, and just think about that—the agency to say, actually, we could admit we're not happy with the way this is going, and we together can really reimagine it. That's really powerful. Yeah, I think that's a, a super important outcome. Uh, Sandy, let's let's uh, wrap by talking about some of the um, the tools and resources that you guys have developed for educators. If if a teacher or principal wants to know more about design thinking, uh, where should they go? Well, um, that's a great question. We 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 try as hard as we can to make sure that as we're learning about how these methods and mindsets um, both develop and. Um, modify for the context of education, we try to put those into tools or programs for teachers and school leaders. Um, so we have, um, there's something called the Design Thinking for Educators Toolkit, which is free and downloadable and available online where we collaborated with teachers to rewrite design process for the context of education. Um, we actually have then built that into a, um, a community of teachers called the Teachers Guild, that are, um, that are routinely working together to solve problems in education. Um, we really believe that 
teachers are the innovators that education has been waiting for. And so we've um, been building this community um, so we can bring some of the, the biggest questions in education to teachers and allow their voice and their ideas to integrate into the larger system. So the teachersguild.org is a place that uh, teachers can go to join a community and also to find some of these resources. Yeah, those, are, those are great. We'll include those in the show notes. Great. I've got, I've got one more for school leaders. Uh, there's a, a fellowship that we've created called School Retool. We partnered with the D-School and with uh, Hewlett Foundation. Um, and this is about um, really actually helping school leaders understand how to design school culture. How does this idea of design thinking translate at the system level when you're, des when you're really thinking about how you design an organization? And School Retool has a really special program called uh, Shadow a Student that it runs every year that invites uh, school leaders to spend a day walking in the uh, shoes of students, uh, following a kid around and seeing what their experience really is. And so um, there's a, um, there are places that, uh, there are websites you can go to find some of those resources and all of that is open and downloadable and free and accessible. That's a fantastic idea. Talk about empathy research. The best thing you can do is just uh, follow a kid through their day and try to see uh, school from their eyes. Exactly. Exactly. I'll tell you, last year when we ran this, we had 1,500 school leaders that did this. And the kinds of things I saw on Twitter, the insights that I talked to school leaders about were things like, man, the day is exhausting. Like, I right. had no idea what it felt like to pile this much on. Or even things like, I forgot all of my passwords. And look at how <laughs> many things I had to log into. Or... So, you know, kind of realizing what it feels like to be a kid today and um, in, the, in the environment you've created is a really important way to open up uh, great insights about how you might design um, and iterate on what you've designed. Well, Sandy, you're leading the parade when it comes to design thinking, and it's just so exciting to see evidence that teachers and leaders uh, around the country and around the world are putting... Uh, these practices to use to make school a more engaging place and one that leads to better outcomes. So we, we really appreciate your work. Well, thanks, Tom. And I definitely love all that you've been um, writing up about a lot of these ideas and inspiring all of us to think more rigorously about education. Thanks to Sandy Spiker for speaking with us today, to Tom for another great interview, and to Andrew Luck for mixing it together so it sounds so good. If you enjoyed this episode, be sure to listen to the podcast that Tom mentioned earlier, where he chats with Olin College of Engineering students in Season 2, Episode 19, Project-Based Engineering at Olin College. You can find that and many other education thought leadership podcasts on our iTunes channel. And while you're there, be sure to subscribe, rate us, and leave a review. And we'd really appreciate it if you'd share any of our podcasts with others via whatever social networks you use. We are at getting underscore smart on Twitter, and we'd love to connect with you on Instagram, Facebook, LinkedIn, and Pinterest as well. For more on all things innovations and learning, check out our blog at gettingsmart.com. For the Getting Smart Podcast, this is Kat signing off. Thank you.